Welcome. You have entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simron. Good morning and welcome. I am delighted to have you with me today for a very, very powerful show. We go through many periods and cycles within life where sometimes it's really high and other times it's really low. But in the background of our lives, there's always different types of things that can unsettle us, whether we're conscious of them or not. And life as of late for many years has been something that we've had to navigate and try to at times cope with, other times understand, try to figure out, you know, how to handle some of these things that take place in our lives and how to move forward. It's very easy sometimes to deny what's going on or to look away, to become apathetic or indifferent, or to just feel enough before you try to distract yourself into something else. It is something that I began to dive into. I started facing a really, really dark night of the soul. And what I chose to do was become devoted to the darkness as much as I had been to the light. And what came through that was profound. It was life-altering. It was illuminating. And in many ways, it was regenerating. But I had to go into those places to understand. Today's conversation is a more sobering one but yet it is one that leads to the light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm so delighted to have return guests uh, with me today where we talk about something that is really important right now, and that is radical regeneration, sacred activism, and the renewal of our world. Viktor Frankl, in Man's Search for Meaning, said, We must never forget that we may also find meaning in life when confronted with a hopeless situation when facing a fate that cannot be changed. For what then matters is to bear witness to the uniquely human potential at its best, which is to transform a personal tragedy into triumph, to turn one's predicament into a human achievement. When we are no longer able to change a situation, just think of an incurable disease such as inoperable cancer. We are challenged to change ourselves. My guest today is Carolyn Baker, and she's a former psychotherapist and professor of psychology and history. Carolyn offers life and leadership coaching as well as spiritual counseling for people who want to live more resiliently in the present as they prepare for the future. Carolyn works closely with Andrew Harvey, who may be able to join us today, and other spiritual luminaries to live and promote sacred activism the marriage of affecting change in the world with consciousness transformation. Andrew Harvey is an internationally acclaimed writer, poet, translator, and mystical teacher. He is the author of over 40 books, including Son of Man, The Hope, Love is Everything, Turn Me to Gold, and Engoldment. He's taught all over the world, given over 20 courses for the Shift Network, and is the founder of the Institute for Sacred Activism. With Andrew Harvey, Carolyn Baker has co-authored Return to Joy, Saving Grace, 
living resiliently in the dark night of the globe and saving animals from ourselves. They have come together to create uh, a four-part book that combines much of this wisdom, and it is called Radical Regeneration. Welcome, Carolyn. It's so wonderful to have you back on, and it's so wonderful for Andrew to be joining us as well. I'm delighted to be in conversation with both of you because this is a really rich one. It is one that requires uh, so much understanding at this time. And so I want to start off. Welcome, Andrew. So glad that that you're able to join us today. I've just introduced you and talked about the depth and breadth of this conversation that is going to be so valuable. And I'd love to dive right in. So let's start off right away, understanding the definition of resilience, uh, whichever one of you would like to uh, answer that question. Try Please mm-hmm. do feel free to do that, and I will, I will add mine. <laughs> I think in the deepest sense for me, resilience is being so deeply attuned to your innate divine consciousness and to the revelations that it gives you that you are able to bring the very best of yourself to whatever terrible circumstances may arise. Carolyn, do you want to add anything to that? Yes. um, I would certainly agree with what Andrew is saying, and I would also add to it uh, holding the perspective of life as a path of initiation or rite of passage and just knowing that that is in front of us and that we are dealing with that really every day as well as in the larger macrocosm of history and world events. I view you both as such wisdom keepers and mystics and philosophers. You are our elders that have seen life and times go through ups and downs, ins and outs over the decades. And so on one hand, I would think that you can see the cycles and rhythms and that earth continues to move in these directions, that humanity continues to move in these directions. And yet at the other hand, it seems as if there's unprecedented moments that are taking place right now. Oh, yes. Yes. The the bridge of humanity and divinity is something that's of great interest to me and in my own experience of really devoting myself to the dark night and exploring that. Talk about how we really dive into that humanity in a way that we embrace the heartbreak that is designed to come through these experiences, but yet also lift ourselves up to see through the eyes of the divine, the bigger picture. It seems like such a paradox at times. Well, I think that's the whole point of our book. Marilyn and I spent five years writing a book which did two things and does two things. On the one hand, it invites everybody quite sternly to face the absolute naked ferocity of the global dark night that is now erupting everywhere and in every realm of human life. And on the other hand, it asks people to 
contemplate deeply the meaning of the dark night process, which, as you so beautifully said, Simran, is a process that is designed to shatter us open to unconditional compassion and passion for justice and the hunger to do something real about the appalling situations that we find ourselves in. And even more importantly, and I think this is the diamond of our book, it says that this dark night has been foretold, has been known at the heart of the great mystical traditions, and has been known as the birth canal of a new humanity, an embodied divine humanity. So just as in the individual path, the mystic goes at a certain high stage of the path through an annihilation process, now the whole of humanity is going through this annihilation process, but not to be destroyed potentially, but to be remade, reborn, refashioned, transfigured. This is essential information we believe, because once you really can take in this information and work with mystical practice, work with deep absorption in nature, work with everything that you are in your life, once you work with this information in that way, you too will experience this extraordinary transformation that happens. You too will be reborn. And our whole book is dedicated to that birth and to all the modalities that you now need, we believe, to work with the extravagantly ferocious force of this dark night to rebirth yourself. In going through the dark night experience that I, what I discovered is there are these contractions, there are these moments where the false selves and different identities fall away and start to, to die off. And for many people to face that, to face their psychological trauma, to face what they're feeling emotionally, to face the the horror of their conditioning and the gaslighting that has taken place unknowingly by those that are around them can sometimes feel like too much to bear. And that leads in a couple of different directions. For some, it leads to extreme denial. And to others, it leads to a type of hope that is more of an escape rather than yes. the visionary yes. type yes. of hope that we, we need. Can you talk a little bit about the denial aspect. And then in your book, you beautifully relay the two types of hope. I'd love to share that with my audience. Well, uh, I would just like to begin to address that, if I might. Um, it, you know, it is, as you say, I'm so glad you brought up the word trauma, because that is so much of what keeps us from looking at what is actually happening. Um, and we need to be compassionate with ourselves around that. But what is also true is that it is an invitation to us. You know, what we're facing right now, particularly in the climate situation, situation is an existential crisis. So we're actually dealing with matters of life and death, really every day. And there is no escape from it. 
So in order to move forward, to open ourselves to what is being asked of us in terms of transformation, as Andrew mentioned, it is very, very important that we have compassion for ourselves and that we get the support that we need in order to do that work. You know, you're probably familiar with Stephen Jenkinson, and he has a wonderful quote that I love, which simply says, we can, we can view our troubled situation in the world as an affliction or as an assignment. So we need support as we choose to take up that assignment. And radical regeneration is giving us a manual for how we actually get and maintain that support. We cannot do this alone. We need each other. And we need to do the inner work and the outer work. And what I very much like about the word hope, as we have redefined it, is, you know, in terms of Joanna Macy's uh, terminology, active hope. We cannot sit on our behinds and just hope and pray that everything gets better. We have to be active and not worry about the outcome because worrying about the outcome is often what sabotages our efforts. So we do what is in front of us. We do what is the right thing to do. And we leave the outcome to spirit um, and do our best to respond to this challenge. I'm so pleased that you said that, and I'm so pleased, Simran, that you understand so deeply the terrible limitations of our current spiritual world. Yes. Because as you said, most people go either into denial, which of course just perpetuates the horror, or into a false la-di-da hope, which doesn't require what real hope requires, which is being hope in action. Yes. And our book is really a comprehensive no to the stupidity and narcissism of our contemporary spiritual world and a great many of the spiritual teachers who are just selling diseased popcorn at the time when the world is burning and it's also much more positively a comprehensive manual, as Carolyn said, bringing together all of the modalities that we believe now are the most powerful birthing modalities, the modalities of mystical practice, the modalities of an understanding of evolutionary mysticism, the modalities of a path that opens up into transfiguration, the modalities of connecting with nature through indigenous wisdom, the modalities of the revelations of quantum physics, and the modalities of sacred activism. So in this book, anyone who truly wants to turn up in this time as a warrior midwife of the new, as we believe everything they will need to go forward as living hope, as living joy, as living passion, gambling their lives for a future humanity with infinite humility and reverence. It's so easy to 
look at the world and all of a sudden become that raging activist that is using the external situations as a way to really escape and distract oneself from what they're truly feeling. And it's such a finely intertwined thread that has to take place to to go inside and really feel those feelings. And oftentimes what will come up is that deep heartbreak, but what you can also meet, at least what I met in going through my own experience, was incredible despair. Moments where you touch meaningless, where nothing matters and yet everything matters. Those moments where all of you shatters that you feel invisible and yet there's a part of you that wants to scream, but I'm here, I'm here and I'm feeling it so viscerally in my body. And you write in the book so often that when people touch that despair, or at least Carl Jung even said that it can almost grip you and take you away and you can fall victim to that. And so some of those practices you were talking about and mentioning, and I know you mentioned Philip Shepard's work within the book, which is brilliant in terms of embodiment. Yes. So some of those yes. practices have to be undertaken with people, but yet if you're really going into the dark night, so often it's such a solitary experience. It's such one that you curl up inside your own womb space until you can unfurl again. So here again is another paradox. How do we stay out when everything is calling us to go in? Well, I think everything is calling us not either to stay in or to go out, but to become a different kind of human being who works, loves, acts from a radical realization of their divine identity. Why I've spent so long getting out the message that I was given to give of sacred activism is because I know that as things stand, neither the activists that we have or the mystics that we have are going to be of any use in a crisis like this. Activists will work out their own personal issues in savage, self-righteous theatrics, and mystics will continue to flee into what they imagine to be the light and abandon the world at the moment when it needs their sensitivity the most. That's the bad news. But the good news is, is that if you merge the wisdom of the activist, the passion for justice, with the wisdom of the mystic, the passion for unity with the one, over time you become a different kind of person, grounded in a radical realization of unity and committed to working compassionately for justice and truth in the world. So it stops being either in or out. It becomes a complete hologram of divinity. Divinity is both transcendent and imminent. So are we. And this crisis is perfectly designed to shatter the barriers between in and out and compel us to live from the deepest part of ourselves and to enact what we find there in sacred activism dedicated to the building of a new world. How does that strike you, Simran? Sorry. Sorry, Danik. (laughs) 
I, I I love how you you share that, and I love the passion with which you share it, Andrew. Because I've long felt that the world does not need another revolution; it needs a sacred rebellion, and that's going to come from our unknowing into the knowing of that divine self that you are speaking of. I would just like to add to what Andrew is saying. Um, <clears throat> the importance of collaboration and community and connection with other folks. And I know that in some places at some times that's very difficult. Um, if you live in a, in a rather isolated place where there's not a lot of exposure to um, the severity of what is actually happening, um, it's, it's hard to, to find those connections. What I say to people often is, um, well, you know, uh, most people can read in this culture. And so, uh, you know, why not take a book that has been really important to you, meaningful to you uh, about the dark night or the global crisis or something, you know, uh, related to that and gather a bunch of folks around you and start reading the book together, talking about it and supporting each other as you go through it. Because it is very, very tempting in this crisis to feel isolated and to intentionally isolate um, and, and just sort of, uh, you know, uh, eat, drink and be merry or whatever our alternative is to that. Um, and so what we can do is really connect with each other around these issues and support each other. And radical regeneration would be a wonderful starting place or a smaller book by Andrew or a smaller book by me or anyone who is talking uh, deeply and mystically about the global crisis um, and, and begin to gather others together as allies and we can support each other in many, many ways, which takes the burden and, you know, makes the burden less as we go deep and as we go outward. I think that that's such valuable advice, especially as someone is walking through a radical unknowing, which is what must happen for everything in our world to shift. We can't continue to be who we have been and must be willing to cross that bridge of unknowing. I would think that that requires also radical discernment. So where does that play in to how we approach these situations that are going on in the world? And I know that in Saving Animal for Ourselves, you go into so much of the issues that are taking place there and the how the patriarchal religions have separated us from nature. And in uh, Saving, uh, excuse me, Savage Grace, you talk so much about the magical thinking and the illusions and how that crisis is creating unprecedented blessings. But in this mass confusion and almost mass hysteria at times with the false fake news that is put out or the gaslighting that takes place on many different levels from our individual homes all the way to the highest of government, how do we then develop that radical discernment for where we're really designed to go at this time. 
Karen, I, would... I think this is yours. <laughs> <laughs> well, I believe that is where our inward stroke of knowing and being um, takes takes really first place, that we need to develop these deep spiritual practices and radical regeneration is, as I've said before, filled with practices that we can use. The going inward, which helps us have the discernment, and then the going outward and connecting with others and being supported by others. We need both, as Andrew has so beautifully written in The Hope, A Guide to Sacred Activism. We must have both the inward stroke and the outward stroke in order to have that discernment. And then to just know that we are fallible human beings. You know, how many times have we been through the collapse of industrial civilization? Never. So we're not going to get it right we can't expect ourselves to have all the magical answers. We must be very compassionate with ourselves and, you know, make mistakes and learn from those mistakes and realize that we are doing something that humans have really never had to do quite in this way. Um, and so this is this is what I would certainly say about discernment. And Andrew, I know you have much more to add. I love what you said. I would say three things. First, never underestimate the power of praying for discernment. There was a prayer that the prophet, peace be upon him, used. And it's a very simple prayer, which I use every single day in my life and it goes lord show me things as they are and when i pray that with total intensity of being really empty and really receptive it's quite astonishing what happens reality then reveals to you what is really going on and it may be much worse and much more shocking than you think but it also gives you the strength to see and stand what you see the second absolutely crucial work, and this is something that both Carolyn and I have devoted a great deal of time to, and a great deal of radical regeneration is devoted to this, is shadow work. Because yes. unless you are aware of your personal shadows and the shadows of the culture that we are now enmeshed in, and the shadows that this unprecedented global dark night casting, unless you're aware of them and aware of how they work, and this is what we provided in Radical Regeneration, a very detailed, very clear map to all of these sets of shadows and how to deal with them, you have no hope of discernment because what, you're, what you will be is a shadow puppet, not an individual standing up for truth. And the Andrew, third... we have to we have to cut to oh. break, so I'd love for you to share that third one after the break. My guests today are Andrew Harvey and Carolyn Baker, and we are talking about their book, Radical Regeneration, offering a deep discussion of our global dark night in terms of the Kali Yuga. Both of them are examining the dangers of a growing constellation of intractable crisis authoritarianism both in America and abroad, climate change, economic inequality, social upheaval, and spiritual malaise. Then they explore the antidotes to these crises, sacred activism, 
specifically creative, wise, sacredly inspired action, and a profound understanding of our evolutionary ordeal and its potentialities. I hope you'll join us for the next half of this show. You can find out more about Andrew Harvey at andrewharvey.net and more about Carolyn Baker at carolynbaker.net. They have valuable resources in all of the books that they've created. We'll be right back after these messages. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Do you want more, more joy, more abundance, more power and presence? How would it feel to have more loving relationships, more empowered community, greater fulfillment and life purpose? The 1111 Mastermind Community inspires, empowers, guides and supports transformation. Shift your mind, expand your heart, deepen insights, let go and chart a new course, dream a new dream. The 1111 Mastermind Community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 Gateway. Courses.1111mag.com. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at imsimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. It goes without saying that I absolutely adore Andrew Harvey and Carolyn Baker. I highly recommend all of their work, their books. These are individuals that touch the very center of your core if you read them, and they offer valuable insights and resources to support you in touching those places that you need to go. Andrew and Carolyn believe three things. Number one, that the world is going through a global dark night, a defining evolutionary crisis that threatens us with extinction. Number two, that this global dark night has two faces, a face of annihilation that we can now clearly see in the multiple crises erupting everywhere, and a more mysterious face, the face of radical regeneration, the potential rebirth and transfiguration of humanity. Number three, 
that the path to this rebirth and transfiguration lies through profound spiritual practice, urgently sacred-inspired action, and an alignment of our being with the most transformative discoveries of modern physics and the world's great evolutionary mystics. I think that the reason that I align so deeply with Andrew and Carolyn's work is because after intimately traveling in my own way, I've discovered the very things that they are talking in such a, a beautiful way. And this journey through the dark night can be a challenging one, but it is our fading and then a new one growing in its place. So as you order your copy of Radical Regeneration, I'd like you to also consider ordering my brand new Self-Realization Trilogy. The first book is Living, The Seven Blessings of Human Experience, where you meet the side of yourself that is the unconscious, wayward-walking human in the world that's so caught up in their identity they can't see what's happening. It will take you through every step of dismantling those identities so that you can get to the core of truth of who you are. The second book is Being, The Seven Illusions That Derail Personal Power, Purpose, and Peace. And you will graciously and beautifully meet your shadow, your animal, your monster, and your demon. Mm. Through this ladder of consciousness, you will be led to the third aspect of you, which is covered in the book Knowing, The Seven Expressions of Human Grace, which are the graces we must give ourselves to be able to dissolve all of the conditioning, all of the trappings, and all of the misunderstandings about ourselves so that we can touch the visceral physiology of knowing that we've held for a higher octave of knowing that we're here to be. And you will rise into that sacred activist. You will be able to step into that sacred rebellion. So it would be a wonderful additional experience if you're looking for how to individually move through your personal dark nights as you sacredly and actively move in the world to support this collective shift out of the dark night. Carolyn and Andrew, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about the uh, return to joy, how joy mm. can actually exist amidst this dark night, amidst our sacred activism, amidst uh, the challenges that arise, amidst the heartbreak that can come in and out of us at times like ebbs and flows of waves. How does that joy become the foundation of who we are? so that we can rise up another day to keep moving forward in the way that we are being invited to. Well, I would like to speak to that, if I may. Um, Please. <laughs> you know, uh, I have to tell you a little funny story. Um, after we had written, um, well, we hadn't written any books yet, actually, Andrew and I, together. Um, but we'd written articles in our own books and so forth. And uh, we sort of gathered the reputation of being these doomers and gloomers, you know, who were just uh, so preoccupied with, the, you know, how bad things were. And so one day we were sitting around talking and I said, why don't we just blow everyone's mind by writing a book on joy? So that is how we began to write Return to Joy. And as we began to research and and collaborate together we discovered a huge difference and i'm i'm sure everyone really knows this on some level 
But we were able to articulate the importance of understanding the difference between happiness and joy. We live in a culture that is happiness addicted and happiness deranged. You know, I get a new car, so I'm happy. I bought a new house, so I'm happy. I got a promotion, so I'm happy. Got married, so I'm happy. And on and on and on. Well, happiness is circumstantial. In the middle of the word happiness, or at the beginning of the word happiness, is a little syllable hap, H-A-P. And that is related to the word happenstance. So happiness comes and goes. It's circumstantial. What is not circumstantial and which is always present in us at our core is joy. Joy doesn't come and go. And in the worst of circumstances, we can tap in to that joy, which all has a lot to do with meaning and purpose. Our friend Viktor Frankl, of course, when he wrote uh, Man's Search for Meaning, talked about tapping into that core. And even in the midst of the horrors of Auschwitz, he could tap into joy. And so that's really what our book, Return to Joy, is about. That's such a powerful uh, foundation to establish. I know you've seen so much in the world, Andrew. I'd love to hear your perspective on joy and how to begin to establish that. I don't even know that it's establishing a foundation as much as it is tapping into a foundation that has always been there, but we have somehow not allowed ourselves to be present to. Absolutely. You could not have said it more clearly. And I just wanted to say thank you for your beautiful work. Thank you for the clarity and passion that you bring to your work. And I strongly recommend the people listening to this go to your work. Look, I'll just give you one story from my dark night, which taught me about joy. One morning, I and my husband received five death threats, which was quite a lot, even for us, because it was a time in which our lives were really threatened. Bombs were thrown through our windows. We were spat at in the streets. It was a terrible, terrible time. And people who knew us lied about us so that we were infinitely vulnerable. And after these five death threats that we received, we were completely shattered. And then my husband, Eric, said, let's dance. And he put on Tina Turner, and we danced for an hour. And at the end of that hour, we were so infused with love, with passion, with joy, with sense that life, whatever the cost, was worth everything. Mm. that we were able to go forward. And what I realized is that at that moment, we discovered what the Hopis are saying in their great message, which they gave in, I think, the late 90s. They said, this is a terrible time, but the key to reacting to it is celebration celebrate life, be grateful for the beauty of nature, grateful for the incredible rapture of Mozart and Bach, be grateful for your animals, be grateful for your friends, 
grateful that you're breathing. And if you can sustain that gratitude, you will connect with the fundamental force of the universe, which as all the mystical traditions know, is Ananda, the great bliss. This great bliss is love's essential nature, and the whole universe has been created from this great bliss. And when you tune your whole being to gratitude, celebration, even and especially in the worst circumstances, what you discover is that joy living at the very core of you as an endless source of passion energy. And it's absolutely essential now as we go into the worst part of the dark night, which is destined to grow a lot more ferocious, that everyone practices gratitude and celebration and connects with the essential joy of the universe. In the Taitiriya Upanishad, my favorite Upanishad, it says, from the great bliss all things were born, in the great bliss all things are sustained, and to the great bliss all things return. Those who are going to make an impact in this time are those who will be fueled by that great bliss and given the courage to descend into the great horror and despair and not be paralyzed, but continue to pull themselves out with grace and humor and joy. Mm, such powerful words. I love what both of you said, Carolyn. I love that you brought forward how Happiness is transient, and joy is cultivated to be consistent and ongoing, and to dance, to dance even despite the despair each and every day. I know that I went through many years where there was incredible grief, and grief I found to be this portal, this opening yes. Yes. to humanity, yes. this expansion of my heart and my <clears throat> sacred activism in a powerful way. And what I learned coming out of that period were a couple of things. Number one, to keep things simple, that we really are here to chop wood and carry water and do our shadow work amidst it while we stay in the body and while we create what you call in the book evolutionary love, which Chris Shade termed evolutionary love in his work that you cite in the book. But what I found oh, through yeah. that 10 years was when I would come across individuals, and I would say individuals that were uh, friends or family, along with individuals that were uh, spiritual and out there in the world doing great uh, new age or spiritual or illuminating work, if feeling and what I was going through so often they walked away it was like they couldn't hear it they couldn't bear it they couldn't face it and so it was better to walk away and ignore it I think about all the people in the world that are going through so much and how it's so easy to for many people to turn away and get more caught up in being influencers or building businesses or doing some of these other things than even taking a moment 
to have the empathy and the compassion to be where those people are. And you have a great section in regard to uh, the mother and the resilience in the mother. And it's almost as if I feel in reading your book that we need to remember how to mother our earth, our animals, our peoples, our lands, ourselves. Can you talk a little bit about mothering ourselves and then the resilience of the great mother, the divine mother? Andrew? <laughs> oh, I, I'm just taking in what you're saying, Simran. My whole life has been a devotion to the divine feminine and the sacred marriage because I understood very early on that our world was careening towards apocalypse because of a psychotic masculine that had overtaken thought and practice and institutions on every level. And that was a terrifying recognition. And it's, of course, enacting itself in this horrendous dismemberment of patriarchy that we're now involved in. But what it has evoked in hundreds of thousands of people is its antidote, the return of the divine feminine to be in sacred marriage with the sacred masculine, which assures balance and profound love of nature and profound commitment on every level to protect nature. When you connect with the Divine Mother, God as Mother, you realize three things. First of all, you realize that you are a child of that vast love force, and it lives not only in your mind, not only in your heart, but also in and as your holy body, and that changes everything. The second thing that you realize is that that love is always coming towards you and all you need is to make yourself receptive to it. Ramakrishna said, the winds of the mother's grace are always blowing, but you ne- you're forgetting to hoist your sails. Hoisting your sails means turning to her in adoration and asking her to fill you with the energy of truth and love. And what you discover is that when you do, she will. The third thing you discover when you turn to the mother is that any kind of passive spirituality is rubbish. The mother is both calm and infinitely dynamic, both deeply peaceful and wildly passionate. And she's inviting all of us not only to connect with our fundamental divine consciousness, but also to connect with the boiling sacred passion of our sacred heart and to unite those two realizations and become midwife warriors and sacred activists. And when you realize these three things, what you realize with amazement and awe is that the mother is the love force of evolution and that the whole of what we're going through is part of her great hunger to see us transfigured, free of our tribalism, free of our narcissism, free of our consumerism, free of our desperate ego, and born into her dimension of love in action. 
Mm, and is this part of the reason that so many of the things that are happening right now are happening? Is this the mother that is initiating is the, the Kali Yuga age? Yes. 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 Indeed. Yes. She is the destruction and the birth. She is everything. She's the horror of the process, which she knows exactly is the only process that can birth us into the next level of our evolution. And when you know that through her grace, it gives you great courage. And I would just like to add that um, this deranged, uh, you know, path of masculine hysteria is part of what has created the global dark night that we're talking about. And as we see places that have been ravaged by climate chaos, I'm thinking of places like Maui and certainly places in Canada with the fires and places that have been stricken by hurricanes and floods and so forth. Um, and we see the devastation of those places that have been created by this hyper-masculine perception of the world. What we're seeing is in this devastation, tremendous amounts of care being extended, care and compassion. Mm. And it is as if, you know, as we reap the consequences of this hyper-masculinity, we're coming more and more to understand the necessity of the presence of the mother and mothering each other. And tragically, it appears that deadly disasters are now required for a lot of Americans to care for anyone who doesn't live under the same roof. But before climate catastrophe compels us to care for people we don't even know, let's begin to continue caring for the suffering strangers we encounter who who inhabit our world all over the place. You know, the great Ramana Maharshi asked when he was asked the question, how should we treat others? He replied, there are no others. Mm. There are no others. You know, it feels as if we are living out Dante's writings as yes. if they converge. It's as if Inferno, Purgatory, and Paradiso, it's all right now. Yes. Exactly. Yes. And that is... You've talked about the patriarchy, and inside myself, I have the thought that most people think patriarchy is just male. But when yeah. I look out into the world, there's a oh, lot of God. patriarchy also being expressed through women. Absolutely. And I think that's something that we must understand because it's become really easy to condemn men. But as women not recognize, we may be doing the same things in a different way. Can you Absolutely. speak a little bit to what you mean when you say patriarchy or masculinity and that kind of thing so that there's the context of what we as a collective are really doing. Well, as a woman, I would just like to address the definition of patriarchy, which is not about gender. Uh, it's not about masculine and feminine. It's about power and control. That's yes. the ultimate definition of patriarchy. And so um, we as women must look at our shadow, which is oftentimes that power and control um, inappropriately expressed. 
um, because of the oppression that we've experienced and men need to look at their shadow and dig into the mother and the feminine within themselves, uh, which has been suppressed, which the world so desperately needs. And we have wonderful role models all around us of men and women who have stepped forth to claim their wholeness. Uh, and so I just want to underscore that, yes, women can be as patriarchal as men. And let's deal with that shadow and develop our wholeness, regardless of our gender. We have just about a minute left. And Andrew, I'd love for you or Carolyn to share um, within the book, you have a four-part map of transfiguration. Could you very briefly just move through the stages so that individuals know what they'll receive as uh, a pathway as they move through this book? Wow. Please, Andrew. <laughs> the four-part path is the crown jewel of our book, and it's been given for the first time, I think. Look, it's like this. You begin and you open up and you go through what, the mystics know is the first dark night, which is the dark night of the senses. And that means that you're purified enough to have a great revelation of the light, which ends the first stage and begins the second stage. The second stage is when the light is in you and growing all of your abilities. And there's a great danger in this stage because you can identify your ego with the powers of yourself that the light is fostering. So in this stage, towards the end of this stage, you go through the really ghastly dark night, which is designed to strip you of your ego so that the full powers of yourself can come forward. That leads to the third stage, which traditionally has been called union and has been heralded as enlightenment, in which you experience radical non-dual unity with the whole of existence. What the great evolutionary mystics of all the religions are telling us is that this is not the last stage, because in this stage of union, if you call down the light into the depths of your body, a miraculous transfiguration of your whole being, heart, mind, soul, and body will take place. And you will experience the beginnings of divinization and transfiguration. That's the skinny. And that's the path that we believe is the path that is wisest, deepest, richest, most challenging, most amazing, and most necessary at this time because it corresponds to the great will of the mother to birth a human divine race. And that is where we are headed. Radical that regeneration. And you can find out that four-part map of transfiguration as you move through the incredible material in Andrew Harvey and Carolyn Baker's new book, Radical Regeneration, Sacred Activism, and the Renewal of Our World. How deeply we open to the heartbreak of a burning world, on how illusionless we allow ourselves to be, on how richly and urgently we act from the deepest possible vision of who we are and who we can yet become. Radical regeneration is our invitation to live in a joy and compassionate world, whatever now unfolds, and to dedicate yourself to the impossible possible birth of a new world out of the smoldering ashes of the old are your sacred activism. 
and your radical regeneration. You can find out more about Andrew at andrewharvey.net, and you can find out about Carolyn at carolynbaker.net. Please take time to go and visit their website, see all that they do, any talks that they give. In addition, order their books. They're truly, truly powerful treasures to have in your library that really sift through to get to the truth. Until next week, I am Simran, in love, of love, with love and as love. Be well. Thank you for opening your mind to a new reality, your heart to greater compassion, and your experience of aliveness with 1111 Talk Radio. Join host Simran next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern Time to step through the gateway of conscious living here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember, you are not on the journey. You are the journey.